The federal vaccine mandate has a deadline. How a truck driver from South Jersey became the biggest upset story of this crazy 2021 election cycle. Donuts. And Love Hate 8 featuring Baker's favorite treat from Starbies. <laughs> Fry Talk need to know. Let's go. Good morning, everybody. This is uh, Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for November 5th. I'm Carlo Bersano here once again with Baker McAdoo. Baker, yes. Happy Friday, Carlo Bersano. Uh, it is the most wonderful time of the year this weekend. Daylight savings time happening this weekend. Uh, the good yes. news, we get an extra hour of sleep, which you know, uh, uh, the amount of sleep I never get, I will gladly take. But uh, I also love that it now will get dark at 2.30 in the afternoon now. So this is also great, I guess. <sighs> Yeah, I, well, that's a nice deep tease there because uh, uh, news alert here. My hate this week is daylight saving time, <laughs> so we can uh, we'll, uh, we can table that discussion. It. Yeah, for a minute. Um, okay, well, it is Friday, which means today is our YouTube watch party Ooh, day, everybody. That. So uh, 9 a.m. Eastern, uh, YouTube.com/slash/Cheddar now. Baker and I will be in that live chat. You can oh, yeah. talk to us about whatever's okay. on your mind. Um, just some other little uh, housekeeping here. By the way, I got I woke up with a. Uh, sore throat this morning which is always the precursor it's always the precursor it's to something bad is on the horizon yeah so this is why Uh, i'm very happy we're in different boroughs of the the manhattan of new york city right now (laughs) yeah i'm hoping i can hoping this doesn't mean i'm about to like uh, get knocked out with the flu or something worse but anyway that's not that interesting uh by the way jill uh, i'm expecting her to be back next week she had to uh, go out on a personal issue this week, um, uh, sort of unexpected, but she is she's totally fine. And I uh, talked to her last night. She she's doing well. Great. Listening to the pod, complaining about Baker cursing. No, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure she was. I'm sure that was actually her first thing. She was like, actually, to be honest, she probably would have taken next week off too if it weren't for me cursing. That's all the more reason she's yeah. like, I got to get back as a result. Yes, no. Uh, so, so we should we should see Jill next week. Um, but yeah, that's the housekeeping I got, Baker. What do we got uh, in the news? All right, so let's dive into the news and a lot to get to on this Friday. Carlo Companies now with more than 100 employees now have until January the 4th to mandate vaccines or start weekly testing for their workers. That's the new deadline from the White House, which has invoked emergency workplace safety powers for large private employers. Now the mandate going to affect about 84 million people, 30 million of whom are still considered unvaccinated, but it won't take effect until after the holidays. Two dozen state attorneys general have threatened to sue the government over the course of the plan. Most of those attorney generals are from um, more conservative red states. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not surprised they're waiting until after the new year. Um, I think that's going to go a long way to sort of helping retailers, truckers, you know, yes. some of these logistics companies, UPS, FedEx, uh, DHL. So all these people who are about to be, you know, put through the meat grinder that is the American holiday shopping season. Uh, so hopefully that will, you know, give them a little bit of breathing room before this takes place. There's also this separate mandate for healthcare workers, uh, for any healthcare establishment that takes Medicare or Medicaid funding. Uh, they do not have a test out option. So that also goes into effect January 4th. The big mandate Again, it, we've said this before. It's not really a mandate because all you got to do if you don't want to get vaccinated is just get tested weekly, which is hardly a big deal. And I, right. the people who complain about that, it's like, what what do you what do you want exactly? Like, you, you won't get vaccinated. You won't get tested. Like, it's just uh, it's just remarkable. But back to the, you know, just the pandemic, because we're starting to see a little bit of a plateau here in our in the decline of cases, which is yeah. a little bit troubling. Um 
but I do think, you know, Biden has got to define the level of risk that we are living, w- willing to live with, with this thing. I mean, I, I continue to think that, you know, Baker, we've talked about it this week. One of the big undercurrents in the, the really bad uh, election day this week with, for Democrats was just this sense out there that the pandemic is just kind of this rolling unending event. Um, And I think that Biden has got to come out. He has to address the nation and he has to put some specifics on the board, right? If you're in a highly vaccinated area, this is what normalcy looks like. If you aren't, this is what it looks like. Like, what's the end game? What are we what are we going? What's the metric that matters? Is it cases? Is it hospitalizations? Is it deaths? The problem is, you know, he got burned by declaring victory back on the 4th of July, basically, right right before the Delta wave. So, uh, you know, he's going to be, you know, uh, afraid of coming back out and doing something like that again. Also, the CDC got burned soon after that by having to go back on the mask thing. And, you know, if there's one thing that we know, it's that politicians and bureaucrats are very risk averse, which means that they're going to be inclined to take the path of least resistance, which is currently what's happening. Effectively, like no federal guidance on uh, where we are. We just have this kind of like patchwork of regulations and policies in place. It's like I got to bring my mask out and I got to wear it in one place, but not in the other place. And yes, in the subway, but not on the street. So, uh, you know, the easiest thing is to do what you've been doing. But somebody with real, you know, a visionary uh, politician would be able to understand that they got to get out there and they got to address this head on and be like, this is this is the end here. This is this is what we're trying to work towards. Things to look at in terms of metrics and gauging of success in terms of where we're at, maybe in the tail end of this pandemic. As you mentioned, you're right. We're plateauing with cases right now. We're averaging 71,000 new cases a day. That number is down about 10 percent over the course of the last Mm -hmm. two weeks. We're still averaging about 1,100 deaths. Most of those deaths still concentrated in about two states, Florida and Texas in particular. But when we look at after the holidays, January the 4th, Think of the amount of kids, 28 million of which are now eligible to get the vaccine. Yeah. Does that bring the new case numbers down, given the fact that a, a significant portion of those new cases are indeed children? The second part in all of this will be um, the weather, given the fact that last year we saw a massive surge of COVID cases because mm-hmm. unvaccinated people were congregating for the holidays. Now that that number is going to be smaller, and if people are able to congregate from the holidays and are able to do it safely, does that also bring down the number? Yeah. And then also the other important thing here is a lot of companies have started bringing back their employees already starting this month and next month also. So already there's a sense of a little bit of normalcy for some people already. So starting in January, will it sort of be what we were expecting July the 4th to be? That's going to be the big thing to watch. Yeah. All the more reason why he has to come out and be like, "We're, we're starting to get back to normal. Biden, I'm, I'm saying, because he's the president, and like we're starting to get back to normal. This, you know, we're gonna, we may see a rise in cases as people go back to school, go back to work. You know, the holiday gatherings never. That's not too much to be concerned about if you're in this area versus this area. Anyway, I just think there's got to be some better guidance here from the uh, Fed. I agree. I agree. Let's let's talk about the election on Tuesday because we're still sort of doing a post mortem of everything. But really, Carlo, the most shocking you know, upset really probably wasn't Glenn Youngkin or anybody else. The most shocking upset of the election was a truck driver uh, for the furniture chain, Raymore and Flanagan. Uh, his name is <laughs> Edward Durr. By the way, Raymore and Flanagan used to be, I used to always joke was my law firm that I used to work for. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Edward Durr, a Republican unknown uh, who works as a commercial truck driver in South Jersey, he beat Stephen Sweeney. And if you don't know who Stephen Sweeney is, he's the second most powerful politician in all of New Jersey, a state Senate 
Senate uh, uh, senator there. Now, Durr spent a grand total of $153 on his campaign, half of which just went to Dunkin' Donuts and coffee for his staff. Uh, now, he shot his announcement video on a smartphone, and this is just the most wild story, Carla. Yeah. This is rising tide, lift all boats kind of thing, right? Republicans, you know, even Democrats, some Democrats in Jersey just voting Republican down the ticket. And this is the kind of thing that happens. If you're familiar, though, with New Jersey politics, Sweeney was kind of an untouchable. He was a big power player in Democratic politics in that state, sort of in the tri-state area. So this is, you know, you're untouchable until you're not untouchable, right? That's kind of the law of politics. Um, but, uh, you, you know, Durs to sweet. Durr's defeat of Sweeney kind of upending the legislature in that state, but point more importantly, sort of pointing to the problems that Democrats face in the suburbs that we discussed yesterday. Um, you know, I, I, I don't really know. I don't. Nobody knows who this guy is. I probably disagree with him on everything under the sun if I had to bet. But you got to admit, there's something kind of inspirational about a story like totally. this. You I know, agree. it's like this this random blue collar guy is like fed up with the government, fed up with his elected officials, decides that he could do better, runs, prints a few flyers out, gets some mm -hmm. donuts for the, his you know staff. And then he ends up taking out this huge power broker in the yeah. process. Like, it's remarkable. That's democracy right there, right? Love it or love it or leave it. And look, that was originally, you know, before she became a superstar overnight. That was the story of AOC. Also. AOC, yeah. I mean, Same AOC, thing, yeah. the bartender, you know, in the uh, uh, here in New York City, you know, knocking out Joe Crowley, who was the third highest ranking yeah. Democrat, potentially down the road, people were considering him maybe a Speaker of the House down the road whenever Nancy Pelosi retires. So yeah, it, it's almost up there where you're basically taking yeah. this average person and now they've been catapulted overnight to stardom. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, that doesn't happen in a lot of countries. No. And I think it's worth remembering, like, again, That's this, the beauty we have of democracy, really, though. Yeah, we have this like really messed up system that basically doesn't work. But it does provide these sorts of kind of like inspirational stories, regardless of your politics, right. every once in a while. And I think that's just worth remembering. All right, so let's talk about what's happening right now with inflation and food prices now, because global food prices now, Carlo, are at their highest they've been in a decade. That according to new data from the UN Food Agency, prices of cereals and vegetable oils led to 3% rise in the food price index for the month of October. That is the third straight month of gains. Part of this has to do with a growing shortage of fertilizer which is hitting crops everywhere here, Carlo. Yeah, the uh, this Thanksgiving is going to be expensive, probably the most expensive ever. Uh, everything from turkey to pie crust to those aluminum foil things that you put the turkey in, all yep. of those are going to be more expensive. According to a uh, recent Wells Fargo report, the cost of a whole turkey is nearly doubled since 2019, just be combined with higher demand and uh, lower production, of course, as all of these issues are. Um, but the bottom line, the bottom line on Thanksgiving dinner is the same as the bottom line on holiday shopping. Don't wait till the last minute this year, you're just going to screw yourself. Yeah. And for those, uh, you know, living on a budget, those with families, those with kids, yeah. you can only imagine how difficult it is, especially in these times when it comes to food prices right now. Let's mm. talk about Uber. They're preparing to bring back a carpooling option that it shut down on the onset of the pandemic. CEO Darakaz Rashahi hinting in Uber's earnings call that a shared ride option could be released soon. That is a way to combat higher prices for rides. Uber prices up about 20% over the last year, slightly less than they were over the summer, but still significantly higher than pre-COVID. And one thing we've seen over the course of the last few earnings 
reports, Carlo, not just with Uber, but with their rival Lyft as well, the driver shortage as well, because of this crazy mm -hmm. labor market we're in, there's less drivers on the road, which has contributed to longer wait times, higher prices. Uh, here in Manhattan, I used to wait maybe five minutes, if even that, for, for a Lyft ride to come to work. Now I'm averaging about 10 to 15 minutes sometimes for a ride. Yeah. All the more reason to go back to the old yellow cabs, man. Ah, like yes. They need us. Um, I haven't, I haven't taken a cab in God. I don't I know. I can't how even long, remember. But yeah, you know, Uber Pool though. Wow, what a throwback. I, I had forgotten about that. Right? It's like, I don't know. It's a very, it's a very sort of like before times thing, so right? True. The idea of like getting in a car with a bunch of strangers. Yeah, somebody else sitting in the car next to you. They're, they're flipping yeah. through Instagram, and you kind of want to talk to them, but you don't. Yeah, I miss those things. I've heard I've heard a few stories about people who like um, met you know boyfriends and girlfriends oh, in the wow. Uber pool or like just have like had really fun experiences. So mm -hmm. yeah, maybe that will help. I can't say I'm in the uh, you know I'm, I'm look, dying but... to get into a Toyota Camry with a bunch of randos, <laughs> but but maybe look you know that that was one of the beauties of things what life was like before the pandemic. Maybe the fact that Uber is starting to bring back the carpool option, yeah. maybe that is maybe the light is the at the end of the tunnel moment yeah. for us, Carlo, when you're finally able to share that Toyota <laughs> Sienna minivan with four other people, you know yes, life exactly. is about to get better. Um, speaking about life getting better for at least a few moments, Jay-Z joined Instagram and then he left Instagram basically <laughs> all in a day. The rapper Mogul opened an Instagram account Wednesday. He followed one person, his wife Beyonce, became the first and only account she's ever followed. He posted something about a movie that he was producing. He got two million followers in a span of like 10 minutes and then he deactivated his Instagram <laughs> account like right after. Like that is like the most like, I know I'm gonna crush this, but I don't wanna stay on this. So I'm just gonna show you how good I could be on a social media platform, but I, I'm not uh... gonna stay on it. I, I really respect that, actually. Jay-Z, of course, famously, you know, absent from social media for basically his entire career. He's, yeah. never, he's never been on it. So I guess somebody was no like, you got to get on Instagram. No Facebooks, no nothing. Yeah. So I guess he, he, he got on. He didn't like what he saw. And he was like, "Why? I'm Jay-Z. Do, I don't need to be like, I don't need to be doing this. Right. I, I, don't, I think there's nothing cooler than somebody who has like no social media footprint. Yes. Yes. Or... Somebody like, let's just even say Beyonce, who follows nobody, so you have no purpose really to go on Instagram because it's like you're not seeing right. anything, but like y you have bajillions of followers. She has 200 million followers. So, it, yeah. so I've always wanted to know what it was like if you have an Instagram account and you don't follow anybody, like what does Instagram put on your account? Like when oh, you I, open I, it I up, like what's, what's the first thing that shows up? I could tell you the answer to that because I don't have I don't follow anybody. I got oh. rid of all my followers. To, it's a way to get them to get the to get myself untangled from the Facebook Instagram. So I just see whenever I go on Instagram, which is very infrequently, I just see the la the latest picture that I posted, <laughs> which was like yeah. seven years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's great. It's actually a great it's a great user experience for that. This service. is why your mental uh, health is so better. much better than mine. Yeah, exactly. Get off Instagram. It'll, it's the best thing you can do for your mental health. Well, I didn't know that you were the Beyonce of Cheddar, but it's good to know that you are <laughs> like that. Finally, Carlo, I know you like to acknowledge acts of real heroism. This is actually an amazing story. There's a great story of selflessness out of Southern California this week as a 34-year-old California man 
died on Monday. That in an act of heroism that likely saved the life of a stranger. Joaquin Romero was working as a zipline operator at the La Jolla Indian Reserve outside San Diego when a woman that he was helping get hooked in slid down the zipline. And according to witnesses, Romero grabbed the woman's harness to help her from sliding. He was pulled onto the line with her as a result. The pair then dangled 70 feet above ground when Romero finally let go, reportedly because he was so worried that their combined weight would snap the line. What an incredible story. And incredible I mean, story. sad story, such a sad story in terms of the ending, yeah. but just an incredible act of selflessness here that he wanted to save this other woman here. Yeah, you know, I'm always looking out for stories like this because I just feel like they get undercovered in like sort yep, of the, true. you know, the, the... And we need good news. We do. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's just such a reminder that there are like regular people out there that are just doing the right thing, going about their day. Not everybody's um, uh, a bleep hole. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, right. I mean, so this guy was severely injured in that fall. He, fall. he fell more than 70 feet. He died in the hospital two days later, which means that he probably knew that he saved this woman's life. That mm -hmm. woman was unharmed. Hopefully she's able to know that his split second decision saved her life. Uh, I can only imagine the survivor's guilt there, but uh, oh, also totally. his family set up a GoFundMe. He has uh, young children. So I think if you, if you're interested in donating to that, I think you can just Google the, um, um, Sorry, Joaquin Romero, GoFundMe, and you'll see that there. But um, yeah, I like to I like to sort of hit on these kinds of stories every once in a while when we can. Well, okay. Well, uh, Baker, more to know before we go. All right, here we go. Let's go back to Washington. There could be some significant movement on the infrastructure and so, uh, social safety net bills in Congress today, Carlos. Speaker Pelosi planning to hold votes on both of those pieces of legislation today. That after House Democrats made some headway, there was some moderate Democrats still noncommittal on that bigger budget uh, social spending bill. Paid family leave and work permits for undocumented immigrants now back in play, though the Senate and Joe Manchin could strip out those provisions uh, down the road here. They got to get this done. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they got to get it done. It's like getting ridiculous here. Um, okay, well, by the time you listen to this, uh, the October jobs report will probably have come out 8.30 a.m. Eastern time today. Economists expecting about 450,000 new jobs added uh, for the month. I think it's going to be higher, Baker. I, 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 my, I got a gut feeling. I think uh, just between the receding Delta wave, uh, all of these hiring incentives we've seen. I mean, I, you, don't even, you can't even turn on the TV right now with, without seeing a commercial from Amazon touting their $15 minimum wage, right? Um, you know, people sort of running out of some of the savings that they may have accrued during COVID. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. Let's do some predictions since we're going to know the answer to this by the time we go on YouTube. I, I'm thinking 550. Ooh. I think 550,000 You know, jobs. I feel like that's a good number. And look, I, I, the, the expectation was we were going to add millions of jobs over the course of the summer. We severely disappointed yeah. on that because most of that was COVID, childcare, all those other things. So we're due for a really good number. Why would, listen, I'm terrible at betting. Jill Wagner will tell everybody that, that I'm the worst at, at <laughs> handicapping anything especially when it comes to sports. I would say 500 is a good estimate. 550 is yeah. good. So if you're going 550, I'm doing the prices right here and going 500. I'm taking the under. But I'll add a star and a caveat to that. I would not be surprised if it's close to a million. Ooh, all right. Was, I like we'll that. See in a minute.
All right. Uh, Britain, by the way, has become the first country to authorize Merck's antiviral COVID pill, Molnirpiravir. That's the first approval for the oral treatment that is being heralded as a potential game changer, especially for unvaccinated people who could take it with a prescription at the onset of their symptoms. The Merck pill still pending approval from the FDA. And this is sort of amazing news, Carla, because again, it, we're under the assumption in the guise that COVID not going away. So how do you sort of continue to live your everyday life almost like it's the yep. flu or any sort of symptomatic cold that you get during the year, you're going to have to have more nasal sprays, antiviral pills, yep. all those other sorts of things on the market. Yeah, these are going to be a, these are going to be a big deal uh, when they get on the market. Another thing that's going to help us get into the endemic phase of this. Um, also, it, it helps. I have a sort of pet theory that a lot of the vaccine hesitancy out there is unreported because it's I think a lot of people just don't like getting shots. That's I think true. Way there, more I know people, people that are like that. Yeah. I think there's way more people in this country that, and they probably more people than will admit it, but they just don't like needles. Uh, and I think if you have a, an oral pill like this, it's obviously not as good as a vaccine, but it's something, it's something, and that'll go a long way. So I'm hoping for that FDA approval soon. Okay, in entertainment, uh, Dwayne Johnson, aka The Rock, says he's going to no longer allow real guns to be used on any set of any movie that he's involved with, following, of course, the accidental killing of cinematographer Helena Hutchins by Alec Baldwin a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Rock announcing that going forward, his production company will switch to rubber guns and, quote, take care of the rest in post. This is what ha this is how change happens. It's a cascading effect, Carlo. If Dwayne Johnson's doing that, you're going to see other A-list stars start putting that in their contracts with their production companies as well. And yeah. this is how the change starts to happen down the road. Mm. Meanwhile, the first weekend of November are gonna be a little cold for a lot of the country. About a third of the country getting their first taste of winter with at or below freezing temperatures from New Mexico to New England. Here in the Northeast, of course, where we think everything revolves around us, temperatures expected <laughs> to rebound just a little bit about. Uh, it'll be sunny, cool, and dry for the New York City Marathon on Sunday, which by the way, perfect running weather, absolutely. Yeah coming a year after it was uh, uh, shut down, of course. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be great. If you're in New York City on Sunday, it's always fun to go out and watch the marathoners. Um, so I'll probably do that, probably take Franny out. Uh, okay, and finally, one of the great anti-heroes of recent television makes his return this weekend. Yes. I'm talking, of course, about yes. Dexter. Dexter New Blood debuts on Showtime Sunday night, eight years after the original Dexter series ended with what is widely considered to be probably the worst television finale Not of all widely time. considered, it is. It <laughs> is the worst ending you, ever. Next to The Sopranos, yeah. it's the worst. Next to The Sopranos? You think The Sopranos had a bad ending? Oh, yeah, hated it. Hated it. Absolutely oh hated Lord. it. Which is why they're still having to talk about today about like what happened with Tony Soprano. So yes, I hated it. I absolutely hated oh, it. Oh, that's something we very much disagree <laughs> on. I think, it's the greatest, I think it's the greatest television ending of all time. Really? Anyway, Dexter's coming back. Uh, Michael C. Hall's back in the uh, title role. Um, New episodes getting very good reviews, actually. The old showrunner is back. Oh. So I remember I liked the show in the beginning, I remember, and then oh. it sort of fell off as they often do. It did, it did. But the early, I think it was what, season three, when John Lithgow was the yeah, serial that was killer. That, when John Lithgow, by the way, won an Emmy for his role in that, yeah. that was awesome. That was one of the best yeah. seasons of television history. Okay, on that note, love, hate, hate to sort of show us off this uh, crazy week. Baker, start us off. All right, one thing we love, Carlo. Yes, just calling a friend. 
on the telephone. Call them. Push their numbers <laughs> in the phone, the digits, everything. Just check in and shoot the breeze. It's funny. I, maybe I'm getting older now at 37, like a geriatric millennial. Yeah. I used to always be all about the text. I was like, you know, just text me. Just text yeah. me. I don't care. Lately, over the course of the last couple months, I've been really into calling. It's just like I get everything I need to done. It could even be a five-minute conversation or even less than that. But I feel so much better after a phone call than I do from text messages. Yeah, no, totally. We're in the process of trying to get a, uh, a like a part time nanny, and one of the women that we've been talking to, um, she does, she does, she just has a flip phone. Like she doesn't text, she doesn't do anything. So it's like when I t need to talk to her, ask her a question, I got to call her. And at first I was like, oh, this is really annoying. And now I'm actually like, no, this is great. First of all, it means she's going to be completely not, um, uh, you know, on out her to phone? lunch when she's when she's with Franny. But also it's just nice. I talking on the phone. It's one of those underappreciated things, I think. And it's also just great. And I did this this week with somebody uh, where I just called her. Like you said, I just called him. I was like, hey, man, haven't talked to you in a while. What's up? And exactly. guys, by the way, at least like straight males, we don't ever do that. Like no guy calls his other, his buddy <laughs> to just chat. And we should. We really yes. should because it's. I think it's great. It's just great to hear people's yeah, that, voices. That, that's a straight dude thing because the gays, we're all about the talking. So it's yeah. fine. <laughs> well, you're, right. you're right about that. The gays are right about that. Uh, okay. One thing that we hate, I, uh, I'm, I'm not broken a record on this. This was probably what we did this time last year. But daylight yeah. savings time. Why do we worst. do still do this to ourselves people i know we say it every year but i really think biden could get his poll numbers reversed tomorrow if he just came out and announced <laughs> if he said look we're not doing this anymore right this relic of our agrarian economy from like 100 years ago it's over no more by the we're way not going to make arizona, it so it gets dark out at three o'clock yeah arizona's been doing this right for the longest time they've always just been like what do whatever you guys want to do we're doing like the correct thing i think on indiana this thing. too we're right? doing the right thing and they just stick with the same time zone all year round. Yeah. which by the way so easy because that besides i mean look i love sleeping in that extra hour which is great i hate the change in in the um you know it being dark the thing i hate the most is just changing my clocks the fact that i have to go and yeah. change every clock for my car to my microwave to my stove <laughs> to everything my bathroom it's just like i that I hate. So just adding got, that you, to do this weekend, I hate. Yeah, you could do what my brother does, and he just do, he just waits for the the time change to be right on the clock in his <laughs> right. uh, car. So six months of the year, he's yeah, running exactly. on the right time. <laughs> uh, finally, Carla, because we know it is the most magical time of the year, because Mariah Carey and Starbucks tells us it is. I yesterday yeah. had a cranberry bliss bar. I only have maybe one or two a year. But mm. it's sort of that mental moment where I'm like, ah, it is the holidays. I, I regret it immediately afterwards because I'm really <laughs> trying to work on a six pack right now. But it is sort of my sort of indicator that the holidays are here. The cranberry bliss bar from Starbucks. This is the yeah. one with like the cream cheese. It's the kind cream of like cheese a on top. Cake. Yeah, it's got it's like it's it's cold, so it has like a little bit of a bite uh, to it. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. But literally, I can I have one or two a year, and I regret it immediately afterwards. <laughs> yeah, six packs and uh, cranberry bliss no, bars. No, never not exactly. Going yeah, this hand body, hand. this body over here, cranberry bliss bars is what it was made from. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I, I may get one of those today, actually, because I could use a, a treat. Yes. Um, okay, guys. Well, if you've been watching this, you can see that my nose is starting to run. So hopefully I will see you on Monday, <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to be out sick. If not, um, I'm back on Monday, I guess. Yes, exactly. But in the meantime, remember, set your clocks, uh, fall back Sunday morning. Uh, and join us on YouTube if uh, it's not 9 a.m. Yes. Eastern yet. Cheddar.com slash – YouTube.com slash Cheddar. Yeah, let's talk daylight savings time on the YouTube chat today. Uh, Talk whatever you want. Okay, guys, have a great weekend. That's what you need to know for Friday, November 5th.